0: The time is now.
1: What is the secret to success? Movement. Ambition. Yeah. People
0: look at you strange, saying you change. Like you work that hard to stay the same. Like you're doing all this for a reason.
2: Hard work. Yeah. Works. like to welcome you to the latest trainers talk. Um, I'm excited to uh, now be able to introduce our first guest coming up. Um, I had a great talk with a family um, and marriage uh, counselor therapist. Her name is Mary Ziada. She's also a member at Calisica Fit. And and we, you know, had a great conversation. It, It started off, you know, a little slow in the beginning. But one of the things that was interesting was you know, talking through her experience working over the last fifteen years, and then also seeing things what that's happened in the last two years with the enhancement and the importance of mental health and how um, people are using her services, mm-hmm. and and how how do you really start with a therapist if you haven't done that before? Um, so you know, it's something um, I've done very limited work with their uh, therapy before, and so. I was interested in that and I hope you are too. And she also talks about different um, tools and um, techniques that she has been using and, and has been researching of how to enhance performance, performance anxiety. Um, and that I found very uh, interesting and um, I think uh, something I'm, I'm looking to explore further on uh, with her uh, and hopefully be able to report back. but this conversation was, was nice to have to, to, to understand how to use your mind, how you can train your mind to be more effective, uh, and, and you can be more thoughtful and, and, and taking care of your mental health with different training tips and things like that. And you know, that, that, that jargon makes sense to me as a person who works with clients to work on their mind but through their body and and she's kind of doing the reverse where she's using the tricks of working on the mind specifically so that they can perform the way they want to through their daily lives or to uh you know use their lives to get the most out of it so sit back enjoy this conversation that i have with the therapist mary Ziada
0: Hello boys and girls, I'd like to welcome you to the latest Trainers Talk, and I have a special guest today. I have Mary Ziada, she is a licensed therapist that focuses on marriage and families. Um, And she's nice enough to sit down with me and I I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it's one of the things I've seen over obviously the last couple years in particular the uh, the need for mental health uh, and and those words have really resonated uh, in the last you know two years in particular. Um, what have you noticed in the last two years with you know going through the pandemic and people kind of doing this transition of you know really thinking about their mental health?
1: Um. So there's a shamanic perspective that. Every challenge we face uh, brings with it an opportunity for some kind of lesson to be learned, some kind of growth to be achieved. So I think one of the gifts of the pandemic was that it forced everybody to slow down. Yeah. And when we're not busy being distracted with life, um, we have to pay attention to what comes up. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to deal with what comes up. So um, I think you know, my opinion is that one of the benefits of the pandemic has been that um, we get to notice what comes up and then we've had the opportunity to be able to work through whatever that is.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's totally true. You know, so when somebody starts to work with you, uh, you know, they reach out, uh, I mean, actually, uh, I'll go a step further back, you know, how do people uh, find you? Like, how do you get most of your clients?
1: Um, I think word of mouth. At this point in time, it's word of mouth. Uh, We have a website, it's expansioncounselingcenter.com. You can uh, go on there, find out about me, my background, my training education experience. Um, I have one associate where we just started, very brand new. So hopefully in the future, there'll be more people on the team to read about. Um, uh, uh, There's a... Psychology Today, they have a network. Okay. That's the one that's the most well-known that people usually go to to look for a therapist. So we have a listing with them. And then um, we're in the process of getting on some insurance panels. Yeah. So once we start taking insurance, that'll be another way to find us.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I like the entrepreneurial piece cause, <laughs> uh, for, for obvious reasons. Yeah. So somebody finds you, clients are, what does is, what is that process look like? What, is, what is it, can somebody expect when they walk in? are, they zoom in, Mm -hmm. uh, for their, their first session, what does that look like?
1: So before the first session, I like to do a complimentary consultation with people to find out what they're looking for. You know, what are they looking for in terms of their experience in therapy? What are their goals for therapy? What do they want to achieve? Um, to determine, have they been in therapy before? What's their experience been, what has worked for them? Um, and then to give them an idea of what to expect before we get started, because sometimes that helps take the edge off. Yeah. Um, uh, in the world of therapy, we have to do something called informed consent, where we talk to people about potential limitations to confidentiality. Mm-hmm. And so basically, if there's a suspicion of you're gonna hurt yourself, you're gonna hurt somebody else, uh, child abuse, elder abuse, that kind of thing, uh, we have to report it. Yeah. Safety is uh, first and foremost. Um, and then we talk about the therapy process. Uh, some people enjoy therapy, like me, <laughs> yep. where, you know, I'll just be in therapy all the time yeah. because I like to continue increasing my self-awareness and growing. Other people want results. Yeah, They want a finite period of time where they can have their goal uh, that they're working on, identify it, develop the skills to achieve that goal, and then move on. Yeah, And so we can, you know, talk about that too.
0: That's interesting. So what what are some of the most common goals that you see? That people who, who have more of a finite kind of viewpoint of their therapy
1: um, usually it has to do with regulating their emotions uh, anxiety is a big one yeah that's pretty common for a lot of people um, sometimes it's depression sometimes people have struggle uh, they have struggles with thoughts like they can't control their thoughts mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, I don't know how to talk to people. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm awkward. I don't know how to relate to people. So, you know, we work on all of those things. We look at any uh, limiting beliefs they have about themselves, any negative self-talk that they engage in. Um, Mindfulness is a big part of everything that I do and that my associate Tani does. Um, Coming back to the present moment, you know, really connecting with yourself, being grounded in your authority being empowered from that place that like nobody can take that away from you yeah, yeah so really connecting to that so that people know how to get there on their own anytime they want
0: Oh, that's awesome so within you know those those type of goals and and people um working through that I actually kind of coming back to the anxiety thing mm-hmm. i don't know if this is a myth or it's just one of the things that people say people say that people are more, you know, anxious now than they were 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Is there, is there actual data behind that? That I don't know if you've seen any data of like the anxiety of kids, the anxiety of, uh, of of adults, Mm -hmm. you know, people blame it on social media, but is there any data behind that that you've seen at all?
1: That's a good question. It's not something that I've looked into specifically. I can tell you, um, what I have noticed is that I think the shift has been that people are more willing to talk about it. Ah, yeah. So I I, I can't speak to the fact of whether or not it's more prevalent in its existence, yeah. but I think people are more willing to open up about it and have conversations about it.
0: Yeah, that's that's that that makes a lot of sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um so why why did you start your own practice?
1: Um it was always what i saw myself doing mm-hmm. at some point in time uh, i was 14 when i decided like this is what i wanted to
0: do. okay great
1: and okay. uh that was just what i always saw like the picture in my head was like me in my office working with my clients
0: yeah is there was there Where inspira- where's those pinpoints Where does those inspirations come from to have you you know because uh, i have i'm i'm not too dissimilar from you where i knew uh, in high school mm-hmm. kind of That I wanted to be in this industry. Yeah, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in the mm-hmm. industry But I knew I wanted to be in this industry fairly early mm-hmm. um, So where was the pinpoints for you?
1: Um, I've always valued Relationships and connecting with people mm. I identify as an empath. So I feel what other people are feeling mm. and um When that manifested from a place of anxiety, uh, the response, my survival response was, if you're okay, I'm okay. So then there was a lot of people pleasing behavior, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to make sure the other person was comfortable because then I could relax. And, um, but the other side of that is like when somebody else felt happy, I felt happy. Like I got to benefit from, you know, Mm -hmm. their joy as well. And I think um, I, when I was growing up, I craved. Like a meaningful connection and so I wanted to be able to give that to other people
0: yeah that's that 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 makes sense and you know finding that connection and um yeah that's that's interesting so one of the things um we're thinking of, we we're talking you know about a week or so ago about a, a technique that you've seen and you've been working with Uh, And that you think will be interesting for performance enhancement, but not just Mm -hmm. performance. And it was called brain spotting. Is that correct? So tell me what brain spotting is and what you think the advantages of doing this type of therapy Mm -hmm. will do.
1: Uh, So brain spotting is a brain based trauma therapy. Uh, The definition on the website is that it locates points in the client's visual field that allows them to uh, access unprocessed trauma in the subcortical brain so what that means yeah is... so it's like that was
0: like whoa <laughs> I, and I'm, i i like it because i'm a scientific but uh, yeah. i'll let you explain you also did a good job of explaining the layman's term version mm-hmm. of what that is what what people are actually doing when they're going through this 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 uh, therapy so if you can yeah. dig deeper on that
1: for sure um so Our brains are geniuses. We're still learning about everything there is to know about the brain. Um, Brain spotting was discovered by David Grand. He is a trained psychologist. Um, He specialized in EMDR. And in 2003, he was working with this young figure skater. Mm
0: -hmm. And what's EMDR?
1: EMDR is Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And that has been the most well-known... Uh, brain-based approach to work with people to address their PTSD symptoms so when we when someone is triggered you know everybody can kind of relate to this on uh, to some degree but when we feel triggered whether it's because you know you hear a loud noise outside Mm -hmm. or you perceive something a certain way um, we believe something to be true and when we believe something to be true we experience it that way So for example, like if I, if I said to you, you know, close your eyes and imagine you're on the other side of the country, you're on a trip, you're having a good time, you're relaxing and you get a phone call and somebody tells you, I'm so sorry, this loved one of yours has been hurt. Mm. Where do you feel it in your body?
0: Mm, I feel it in my
1: heart. Okay. Yeah. They call you back five minutes later, and they say, "Sorry, wrong person. Your person's okay." Yeah. Does that erase the experience?
0: Mm, no, no. It, it definitely doesn't.
1: Because yeah. you had it. Yeah, you exactly. lived it. it. Exactly. So that's the magic of the brain. If you and your mind, if you believe something to be true, you experience it as if it were true, regardless of what the facts are. So when we experience something like trauma, it will affect how our uh survival instincts kick in yes whether or not they kick in Uh, the way that brain spotting works is that it helps to um deactivate yes those unnecessary responses so david grand was working with this ice skater this figure skater she was 16 years old she couldn't master the triple loop Hmm. but she was like headed for the olympics like you know really amazing athlete and he was doing EMDR with her. They'd been working together for a year, 90-minute sessions every week. They'd uncovered a lot of material. You know, she'd work through it. And with EMDR, um, I, I, I'm not trained in it, but what I've mm-hmm. been told is that the practitioner moves their hand in front of the client's face. And the purpose is for uh, them to look from one side to the other because of how it activates the brain. Mm-hmm. And so he noticed that when he was doing that, that her eyes of wobbled and then froze so instead of moving his hand he held it in one spot mm. and what happened over the next 10 minutes was all of this um, material came up that um, the client continued to process and to work through and um, there was material they'd worked on before mm. but it re-emerged and she processed it on a deeper level mm-hmm. the next day she went to practice and she could do the um triple loop yeah. and never had any problems again with it Um, Some of the materials she uncovered was new. Um, So he did some more exploring and basically uh, learned that the cool thing about brain spotting is we're always doing it. We don't even realize it. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening to someone when they're talking, you'll notice their eyes go, you know, around their way. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, yeah. And so me as a clinician, if I was working with you, I would be very attuned to you yes. while you're talking about whatever it is you know that you want to work on. Yeah, And I would look for physiological cues that will help me to identify like oh okay like if you're looking at your top left, yes, um, that's connected to something in yeah. your brain that needs to get processed. Yeah. So in practice the way it looks is um, you have some headphones on, you're listening to bilateral music, it goes from one ear to the other so it Induces a meditative state in the brain helps you to process on a deeper level. It's also very relaxing Mm -hmm. and um, We find the spot where your brain wants you to look and you look and it can be really relaxing some people um, Get they get really quiet Mm -hmm. other people like to share what's coming up for them, you Mm -hmm. know, sometimes memories they haven't thought of in a long time Uh, Sometimes they just focus on this is what I'm noticing in my body. Mm So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, there's, there's so much stuff to unpack within that, is that uh, to do um, the different, uh, you know, you said, you're almost, something that was interesting, you almost said something that you could train your brain.
1: Yeah, because we have neuroplasticity.
0: Yeah, and so I think one of the things that's interesting is that as, you know, there's definitely different effects that doing training and doing um, weightlifting and doing mm-hmm. exercise that helps the brain but also taking you know the meditation taking the mindfulness taking the different things where you can um, train your brain because you're it's so true like what you believe what you perceive can really lead you know your mood and what you feel about yourself yeah so um, so that's I mean uh, that's interesting. I might want to connect with you on <laughs> trying trying that that therapy sometime okay. um, So how long have you been doing been a therapist and working with in clients?
1: Um, I count my last year of grad school. So 14 years.
0: Yeah, and What are some things that you know, that was you know in your viewpoint 14 years ago That has completely changed or really shifted
1: um i would say the the best way to answer that would be to explain how i've changed my approach to engaging with people Mm. when i work with them i think when i was you know finishing up grad school um i i still was embodying the archetype of the wounded healer Mm. where it was like i had my own past my own trauma and it was like, you know, I want to be there for people and I want to help people and that kind of thing. Um, So I worked too hard. Mm. And in doing that, I was also inevitably kind of giving the message of like, you need my help. But that's not true. (laughs) Um, I actually believe that each of us has the capacity to achieve whatever we want. So now I, I view, my role as um like someone's support system you know not even a guide per se Mm -hmm. but someone who's like walking alongside you on your journey and maybe pointing out the things that you don't see and reminding you of the things that you don't see within yourself and uh, helping my client to connect to their sense of empowerment and really be comfortable in their sense of autonomy um, you know, to face the doubts, face the fears yeah. so that they're not limiting you and holding you back.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, I see some, it's, there's a lot of similarities I'm seeing within how I interact with clients. Uh, one of the metaphors I've used when I've talked to some of the trainers I've trained to mm-hmm. become trainers and, um, is that I'm, I feel like my job as a, as a trainer is to be two to three steps i'm a a mirror Mm -hmm. so but i'm like two to three steps in front of them as a mirror Mm -hmm. and so the more effort they're willing to put in the more effort i'm going to put in and i'm going to be just a couple steps ahead of them Mm -hmm. but if they keep having relapses where they're not consistent on their food or they're not consistent on their training
1: Mm
0: -hmm. i'm only going to put i'm always going to be just a little bit ahead of them but i'm Mm -hmm. never going to be 100 yards ahead of them yeah and, and that kind of sounds like a similar thing within mm-hmm. walking side to side with them yeah. and, and, uh, and doing that. So, um, you know, when you've worked with a lot of couples, mm-hmm. so what, I mean, I, I know some of this is probably stereotypical, but what are some of the most common, uh, you know, issues that you see that when you're working with couples?
1: Um. I would say the biggest thing usually comes down to communication. Mm. So the communication isn't productive. And usually the first step is to slow everything down. Yeah. And to really be mindful and intentional, you know, in working with uh, partners and how they're speaking to each other. Yeah. Because usually because if they're emotionally charged they're not coming from the same part of their brain uh, yeah. you know what I mean yeah. so um, if someone is emotional they're not going to be able to be as rational they're not going to be able to be as thoughtful or as um, maybe considerate yeah Becoming, they're coming from a place of uh, being more reactionary yeah yeah so um, like I had a client once where you know her belief was you know we can't go to sleep upset and so I was like, why not? <laughs> you know, what if what if your partner needs time yeah. to cool off and regulate yeah. before, you know, he can come back and um have an intentional conversation with you instead of speaking out of anger.
0: Yeah.
1: And so she was like, Oh, okay. You know, once I explained kind of like this is how the brain works and like this is the part of the brain you're coming from when you're agitated yeah. or angry, then you know, that was helpful for her. So Yeah. I like to empower my clients with psychoeducation. Yes. I always explain, this is why I'm saying this, or this is why I think this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's, that's, you know, ultimately like, it's up to them, like we all have free will and I respect, you know, yeah. everybody's choice, whatever they wanna choose. I wanna make sure they have the, all the information Yeah. so they can make informed decisions.
2: Yeah,
0: that's, uh, that's interesting, they go, go to bed, uh, angry. That was one of the things earlier in me and uh, Jackie's, uh, our relationship, one of the things that, that was important to her. And mm-hmm. then eventually I was able, we were able to work through it and communicate like, yeah, sometimes for me, it's better for me to yeah. land the plane first. And sometimes that's going to take through the night Yeah, and then, uh, and to be able to have like a true conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, when you're working with several clients, what does, success look like um for for you Uh, I mean I guess for a a finite client who's like this is the particular goal that's pretty obvious Mm -hmm. but what is it maybe a client who just who's just doing it on a regular basis what does that look like
1: um so I think part of being ethical in my practice is to uh, continuously check in with my client and to say like, is this working for you? Like, are you getting what you want out of our work together, out of our sessions? Um, and if they're hesitant to say, you know, like I had one client recently where she was fine, she was doing great. And so I was like, okay, well, let's review like your baseline where you were, where you are now. Cause we do that with brain spotting mm. and I was like, I mean, we can continue meeting if you like, but I think we've addressed everything you wanted to work on. And she's kind of leaning in that direction. Mm-hmm. So that it was helpful for her that I, I shared that. Um, if someone's invested in the process and there isn't really a tangible goal, mm-hmm. maybe the goal is constantly changing, um, then I think it comes down to the clinical rapport is the relationship, mm-hmm. because that, if um, someone's able to be present with you, you know, ha- accept you unconditionally, you know, have empathy, you know, be respectful, um, it allows you to go within yourself in places that you might not be able to go without a witness.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. And yeah, do, what do you, what do you like doing? What type of? I know you're probably there's a little bit of everything that you like within working with clients, but what are some, what have been, if you can give me examples, some of the most fulfilling uh, kind of examples of you working with clients, either in that finite way or that infinite way?
1: Um, I think in the infinite way, and it's kind of like with, with all clients, it's, it's the relationship, like I really value that. Yes. I consider it a privilege to you know, they're allowing me to be part of their journey, you know, and that's a big deal. So I appreciate that. And I, you know, have a lot of uh, respect for that and appreciation for that. Um, So that's meaningful to me. Um, And then it's always exciting when somebody's like, I couldn't do this. And now I can. Yeah. Um, Like I have a client right now who's a skater and we did some brain spotting on some beliefs that were programmed from a young age from one of her parents, and she went to practice, you know, later that week, and her coach, uh, she, she had some insight, some awareness about herself in her technique that she didn't have before, and she was able to recognize how she, she had been holding herself back mm. by a belief that she had about what she could or couldn't do. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, that, that is always kind of cool, seeing the, the growth in the client, and seeing mm-hmm. their uh, them kind of blossom a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah um so what does what does your perfect client look and feel like <laughs> um,
1: well i don't it's it's a, that's a tricky question
0: so i would say in this way so what are some things like i, I think when somebody walks into therapy
1: mm-hmm.
0: what is uh s- some approach that would be helpful in allowing you to do your work and them to, mm-hmm. to express themselves in the in a way that is fulfilling and helps get towards the goal or the, you know, the long-term goal that they're trying to get. So, you know, like I'll, I'll give my example from like when somebody's walking to the gym is mm-hmm. obviously if they can show up a little bit on time, mm-hmm. warm up, yep. you know, um, you know, maybe not have their phone right near them. Uh, um. And then, and then being thoughtful about the suggestions and the homework that is given and mm-hmm. things like that. So what does that look like for you? Same. Yeah.
1: You know, somebody who shows up, uh, who's respectful of my time and their own time, who's willing to do the work, and who doesn't hem and haw and make excuses. And...
0: Yeah. 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 So it's, it makes sense. So uh, what is your, what would you say is like the success failure rate when it comes to doing that? Because, you know, there's, there is, and there's, there's grades within mm-hmm. that because some of it's not always success and failure. There's mm-hmm. a lot of in between of uh, what, what happens, what would you say? I would say this, maybe let's talk about couples because mm-hmm. that's probably even more measurable mm-hmm. than anything else of like couples actually staying together or, mm-hmm. Or maybe success is realizing they shouldn't be together I don't know
1: Um, I would say it depends at what point in their their relationship they seek out the couples counseling Mm -hmm. Uh, some people see it as a last resort the best way to make use of it is as a preventive measure Mm -hmm. so like I think premarital counseling is usually something that people do with like their pastor or something like that but I think it's smart even when people start dating <laughs> yeah. because it gives you a way to create a lasting foundation for whatever you build, yeah. you know, and the relationship is what you're building. So yeah. just, div- you know, identifying communication that works yeah. for both people, um, recognizing how they're engaging with each other, like what's their dynamic? Um, am I being passive aggressive when I'm angry or am I able to talk about, well, this is how I'm feeling and this is why, and this is what I need.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, identifying their values, you know, what's important to you. Um, do you want the same things in life? You know, same experiences, same goals. Um, does one person have clarity and the other one doesn't, you know? So there's, like, there's a lot yeah. of rich <laughs> opportunity, <laughs> yes. you know, To yeah. if, if people do that work um, on the front end.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, we're about to wrap up, but do you have any questions for me at all? Or are you...
1: Um, questions? Uh, I guess I'm curious to hear from you uh, if you think brain spotting could be something that helps people like what challenges do clients you know that you work with have
0: you know I I think honestly I think I think there is uh, opportunities for uh, clients just to have therapy in general Mm -hmm. I mean not even getting particular with brain spotting I do think uh, it sounds like what's nice about brain spotting is that if it seems that it could be something that is more goal-oriented mm-hmm. type of uh, training um, than open-ended. Um, so that's where I, I see it. And, and, and I think also, too, there's, uh, even if it's um, almost like in a, uh, a small group setting, or even if it's just kind of getting a little bit, of some just tools like to start The process, you know, maybe ways to think about journaling, ways to think about meditation, ways to think about, um, you know, building a level of mental awareness, Uh, and and then, you know, seeing if if they're struggling with those tasks, being able to saying, okay, if you're if you're if you're struggling with that homework, Mm -hmm. then you'll have a coach. Mm who can kind of take you through, through that. And some people are very thoughtful within their thoughts. If you give them a little bit, mm-hmm. they, can, they can, they understand the assignment, they, they kind of dive in and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think uh, if, if I'm, I'm literally just kind of spitballing right now, I think something that'd be kind of interesting is if we, you know, if we did something like, that was like kind of a small group setting, talking about ways to work on mental health mm-hmm uh and 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 notes and we do a thing called fit clinic and maybe one of them could be something where it's a mental thing of Mm -hmm. like over you know two to four week uh, period do a couple of sessions and and talk through different things that they can work on personally on their own and then move to a level of huh, that's interesting Mm -hmm. i want to actually do one-on-one sessions for this so um that would be something I'd be open to exploring. Cool.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Um, so, Mary, tell everybody where they can find you. And then um, when I when I post this, uh, we'll also put it in the show notes.
1: Okay. Uh, the best way is to go to the website, expansioncounselingcenter.com. All the contact information is there, and I look forward to hearing from you.
0: Awesome, guys. Thank you for joining, and I'll see you next time.